0: at this time to the Children's and Toddler's Church. The rest of us, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And we are going to look at one of our theme verses for this coming year. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. It says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, as we look at this verse this morning, we understand that this comes in the middle of a longer passage talking about the church and how each individual has a part in that church. And each of us are supposed to grow up into Jesus Christ. And, and this is really and truly beyond any question one of the deepest uh, and greatest theological truths of all the Bible. People have come up with many, many uh, false imitations thereof. God does not want you to realize or understand what is already inside of you. Read the book of Proverbs. That takes care of that uh, fairly thoroughly. It says, the fool seeketh to know his own heart. And uh, that is the great indictment against the purpose-driven movement uh, as, as it exists. Uh, God did not put these things in you so you can find out what's in you. God put his truth in this book in the Bible, called the Bible, so we can find out what ought to be in us. That's why it's called being born again. Because the old life is not usable what we had in the image of Adam, and and please understand, we, we are talking, you can have a religious experience and not be saved. Uh, look at the world around you. There's all kinds of things going on uh, in the world of religion. There's all kinds of experiences and and, and things that you can have. Or you can choose to have truth. That's what's in the Bible. Now, is living for Jesus an unemotional thing? Oftentimes, uh, preachers and and Bible college they will try to make a difference between teaching and preaching. And, and of course, uh, my favorite is. If all you're doing is preaching and not teaching, that's not preaching. But if you can handle the greatest truths that God has revealed to mankind and just go, and so the Bible says, there's something even more wrong with you. Amen? Could we say amen to that? We don't have to be jumping over pews and screaming and hollering. But what we need to understand is that this is a command. How does this verse that we, that I have chosen for one of our theme verses for this year, how, how does this look? But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him which is the head, even Christ. This idea of speaking the truth in love—many many people have all kinds of erroneous ideas uh, that uh, that sin is no longer should be judged—is love? How how foolish is that? Uh, I challenge you, parents. The greatest disservice, if you want to hate your children, don't discipline them. Don't tell them right from wrong. Just let them grow up as a weed would in the garden, and that's what you're going to get. In fact, take a look around you. That's what our society has produced in the last several generations. Uh, And uh, one of my favorites is, I'm tired of all these rules and regulations. I'm tired of being told what to do. I'm going to join the Marine Corps. Good luck. Uh, They're going to tell you when to breathe and how deep to breathe. Uh, They're they're going to tell you everything. And and what is so amazing is some of these people that are so uh, rebellious against all of the rules and regulations. I just love this life. (laughs) Uh, we notice that with some of our students. We send away to Bible college. You mean, Mom, i got to keep my room. Hey, when you go to a college, they're going to give you demerits if you don't keep your room clean. And all of a sudden, you know, since I've gone to college, Mom, I've become kind of a neat freak. Yeah, wouldn't that have been nice while you were living at home, huh? Uh, uh, how about we follow these things? I mean, this idea of, speaking the truth in love is an incredible thought it it is the real work of the christian life if you read the previous verse it talks about that we be no, henceforth no more uh, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. This is the opposite of that. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. If we are to grow in grace, if we are to grow up into him, which is Jesus Christ, we need to look at this thing and understand this. Growth, is a natural process. I mean, if you took, uh, uh, if you just take a little child and you feed them properly and care for them, that child is going to grow. Uh, If you feed them too much, they're going to grow. I mean, there was, uh, what was the story of that one man? They had to, uh, actually come in and cut the walls out of the house so they could take him to the hospital because he had grown so large uh, that he could not even uh, be transported through the door, let alone, uh, it, was, it was a terrible, terrible story. Uh, yet, we want to grow up into Jesus Christ. I, I want to challenge you, that if you're going to grow and you're going to grow properly, what is one of the things that you're going to have to do? Can I use a very terrible word? Exercise. Now, we might have a few exercise freaks in here. And if you are, uh, my hat goes off to you. Uh uh, as I was growing up, that exercise movement, uh, really started coming in in the late 70s and early 80s. And, and then I started reading the stories in the 90s. All these guys were dropping dead in their 40s and 50s, uh, because they were exercising too hard. And I said, ah, I'm gonna solve that problem. Amen. Uh, Uh, I am not going to drop dead over over exercise. But then I found out that uh, if you don't get enough, you can drop dead because you don't have enough now, don't you? And and there's got to be a balance here. We educate our children. How do we do that? We exercise their minds. We want them to learn how to use their minds for things other than learning how to play video games and doing things that entertain themselves. I mean, we live in a world of self-entertainment, do we not? Um, I often like to allude to the fact that I carry around more information on my cell phone than my grandfather accessed in his entire life. Just pure knowledge. I mean, there's uh, I, I have uh, a small library on my phone so that, If I happen to be somewhere and I have a few minutes, I can read something that's uh, uh, going to be uh, encouraging. If I want to listen to something, keep me awake while I'm uh, driving uh, late at night or on a long trip. I have lots of things on there. Uh, My grandfather had access to none of those things. I mean, it was just one record that you would have to put on and play at one time. And there are only three or four songs uh LPs didn't come out for a long time but let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5 Hebrews chapter 5 and we're going to talk about this see the the thing with exercise as you exercise you teach yourself you grow up and learn certain things exercise promotes growth uh you do not take a terribly difficult piece of music and say okay you want to learn how to play uh classical guitar uh here it is a couple of bach inventions and uh, uh and some uh very uh deep baroque music and just just start playing no you have to start at the very beginning. You have to learn how to read the notes. Uh, learning a musical instrument is one of the greatest disciplines and exercises that a human being can undergo. It, it Actually, they can do a CAT scan of your brain and they can tell whether you play a musical instrument or not because if you do your brain is shaped a little differently than than a normal one the creases are deeper and, and uh all of these things here this is there is a good part here and we talk about this in Hebrews chapter 5 and the first part of Hebrews chapter 5 is uh, summed up in verse uh uh 10 talking about Jesus Christ, called of God and high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. And uh, if you've ever met someone who claims to be uh, a Bible scholar of any kind, it won't be long before they start talking about Melchizedek. Because it's attached to a passage here about exercising yourself spiritually And if you are spiritually exercised, then you ought to know about Melchizedek. Do you know the Bible gives us very, very little information about this guy named Melchizedek. That's on purpose. Because we're not supposed to be attached to Melchizedek. It is Jesus who is called to be a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We're supposed to be attached to Jesus. So let's read on. Verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing that ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, For he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. I want to challenge you this right here. The Hebrews 5 and 6 uh, are some of the most difficult passages in all the Bible to understand. And the reason why is because people don't pay attention to the rest of the Bible. If they did, these passages wouldn't be so difficult. You see, there are many things in the Bible that we uh, God would love for us to know and understand, but God says purposely, I'm not giving you those things because you're not going to be able to handle them. I will promise you this. When we get to heaven, God is not going to have to have big, long classes. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, God is not going to send us all to Bible college when we get to heaven so that we can be brought up to speed. That would take far too long. God says that when we receive this glorified body, we're going to know even as we are known. That glorified body is going to come with a glorified brain that God has already filled with the knowledge of his goodness. So many things we struggle with here on earth. Our only thought when we get to heaven is going to be, wish I hadn't wasted the time trying to understand all those things and had used the time to serve God. That that is going to be our regret when we get to heaven. The rewards in heaven are based on service. And so let's look at this passage here about exercise this morning and hopefully we can gain some things from it. It tells us that God would love to teach us all these things about Melchizedek uh, through the writer of the book of Hebrews, but he says, I'm not going to, because the time is that you should be teachers. Now, we've had this happen many times during the history of our church. Someone will come in and say, "Uh, do you have Bible studies? said, oh yes, yeah, we have Bible study every Thursday night. We go through the Bible. Oh, good, I, I've just got so many things I want to share. And I go, oh, wait a minute, we're not that kind of Bible study. Uh, what do you mean? Um, I, I'm not trying to be rude or crude this morning here, but uh, I have sat in too many rooms where everybody sits around and shares their ignorance. What we're supposed to do is teach the Word of God. That, that's the job of the pastor. And I do like my job, and I try, and and I really, if there's anything you want to do, pray that your pastor will be a better teacher of the Word of God, and you will benefit because God wants to answer that prayer. So what does this passage mean when you're teachers of the Word? How can everyone be teachers? Um, how many of you know someone that doesn't know how to be saved? Raise your hand. Do Do you know someone that doesn't know how to be saved? Has it ever crossed your mind that God would want you to teach that person what the Bible says about how to be saved? And... I'm sure it's already crossed your mind that there's an awful lot of people out there who do not know how to be saved, who do not want to know how to be saved. They do not want to hear. And uh, i just like to remind you of this uh, story. I, I use it as an illustration on gifts of the Spirit, another subject, another sermon, Uh Gifts of the Spirit are to be exercised in the church. If they're not being exercised in the ministry of a local church, it's not a gift of the Spirit. Uh, There are many talents out there. And uh, my favorite story is Professor James Biggs, Baptist Bible College in 1986, I think it was. The class was Shakespeare. Now, why a preacher? Asked to take a class on English literature, let alone specifically a whole three-hour class on Shakespeare. I have never figured that out. I really don't want to. But I will tell you this. Dr. Biggs was one of the greatest teachers that I've ever met. In fact, he, on the first day of class, he said, most of you don't like me most of you think that I'm this and that. And most of you think that this class is going to be boring. And I want to tell you, I am one of the best teachers you will ever meet. And you will enjoy Shakespeare. He knew what he was doing. We're all sitting there in a class going, sure, I'll take that challenge. He won. I want to tell you, I remember that class 30 some years later. I remember how great a teacher he was. And I'm not going to give the Holy Spirit credit for talent on how to teach Shakespeare. Because I don't believe the Holy Spirit wants credit for that. I will tell you this every one of us in this room could learn something from Dr. Beggs, we could be better teachers. In fact, that's what the book of Hebrews is talking about. Uh, modern day preachers have come up with a uh, coined a term out of the book of Proverbs, he that winneth souls is wise. And, and, and there's a whole movement uh, late 70s up uh, into this present day called soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. And. And uh, I'll tell you what, God is interested in winning souls. We ought to be involved in that process. Uh, there is something missing in your relationship with God if you have not grown to the point to where you could tell someone how they could know Jesus as their Savior. Okay, if, that's, if you say, preacher, you're talking about me, then you say, oh me. If you say, I want to get this fixed, you say, amen. You see, if we're going to grow, we're going to have to learn how to teach others. And that teaching is what commonly in this day the proper term would be soul winning. You know what? Every person. I mean, we've tried this. It didn't work out very well. Uh, but uh, that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep trying. That if every member of this church would just work on one person for the coming year, to win a person to the Lord, bring them to church, have them walk down the aisle and get baptized, you know what? We would set a record in the history of our church. And I'll guarantee somebody would really mess it up. Instead of getting one, they get three or four. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? Hello? If we're going to do this, here's, here is the work... Is speaking the truth in love. This is the Bible commentary on what's speaking the truth in love. It says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have one that need, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And if you go down to chapter 6, uh, I'll tell you what, do not read commentaries on chapter 6. Do not look it up on Wikipedia, please. Uh, don't, don't just say, uh, commentary on Hebrews chapter 6, cause you're gonna get some really wild stuff. Let the Bible be its own commentary. Let the Bible explain it. You see, Verse 12 of chapter 5 sets the stage for chapter 6. It says that there's a time when you should be teaching the gospel, when you should be telling others how to be saved. And the problem is you have such a poor example of what true Christianity is that you have to be taught what being saved is and what the basics of Christianity over and over again. And the pattern of false religion is simply this, is a method to finding salvation. That is false religion. If salvation is the finish line, if it is the goal of your religion, I want you to understand that religion is not a Bible-based religion. It's just not there. That's not the religion of this book called the Bible. Salvation is the starting line. Once you get off the starting line, you're supposed to be teaching. You're supposed to be telling other people about Jesus. And I will tell you that one of the most difficult things in the world is finding an opportunity where you can sit down with someone and have an honest conversation About salvation. But I have to believe that if we prayed and said, God, would you give me the opportunity to share the gospel? That he'd want to answer that prayer. Would you agree with me on that? If you're going to spend your entire relationship with God just trying to be saved, I want you to understand that you are not going to heaven. Your relationship with God is based on the fact of an eternal, knowable, trustworthy, guaranteed by the work of Jesus Christ, finished on Calvary's cross, salvation. That's Hebrews chapter 6. Put aside the commentaries and just understand that there's an awful lot of people who think they're saved that aren't. And there's an awful lot of people who are saved that have not exercised in the right way. How many of you love asparagus? Okay, I see two hands, three hands. Oh, good, good. I see some hands going up. Not the only one. And spinach, especially creamed spinach with a little garlic in it. Oh, and cr- uh, now now you're talking, well, no longer healthy, right? No, it is. It, it, the, the cream does not get rid of the vitamins. Uh, zucchini and eggplant and all those vegetables. And I don't care what it is. How many of you remember when coffee was the most evil thing that a person could imbibe? Now they tell us it's full of antioxidants. You know, I was right on that thing when everybody else was wrong. Uh, just uh, keep moving in the right direction there, okay? Uh, joking aside, do you realize that if you like a variety of vegetables that you trained, your, you exercised yourself to learn how to like those things? Now, nobody likes canned okra that I know of. But if you'll take that and cut it up in nice little pieces and bread it and deep fry it, it's pretty good. Um, Somebody says, but it's not good for you. Well, we'll let the Lord take care of those things. Um, You see, as we read here, he says... That verse 13, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Now get this next phrase here. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil uh we we live in a world that is quote unquote full of knowledge and i will tell you uh just like you can go on to some internet game room and be uh uh captain Spith uh a space savior and uh and save the universe from the evil uh, whatever it happens to be um we have a lot of Christians going on the internet and, and uh, they are captain knowledge and they answer all of the foolish questions and they debate. and I, I want to challenge you, that's, that's not what this verse is talking about here. Who by reason of use. Well, how did you use, how do you get that use part? Uh, go back to verse 12 by teaching. God hasn't designed us. The church is not here to straighten out the world. If you want to study a history of a church who tried to straighten out the world, study the Crusades. Uh, If you want to get past and expand it a little bit, religions have tried to straighten out the world, study Islam. That's why they're murdering people today. Because they believe their religion is going to straighten out the world. I I will tell you, my Bible tells me that Jesus is the one that's going to straighten out this world. He's the one that's riding out of heaven on the white horse. The armies of heaven follow him, but they don't do any fighting. It's the sword that goes out of his mouth. It's the word of God that does the fighting. Can we say amen to that? It is not your job to fight the world. It is your job to find someone who will listen to you to explain how they can know Jesus Christ. That is the reason, that is the use that brings the reason that allows you to discern both good and evil. If your Bible knowledge is only there to be used so that you can argue with other people, I want to challenge you, that is a perverse and vain knowledge. That that knowledge must be used if, if it's a true biblical knowledge. You say, but you don't have to be that great a Bible scholar to lead somebody to Lord. You don't have to understand the deep things of God's Word. I beg your pardon, what is deeper than trying to understand that song we sang, And Can It Be? If you could help someone understand that God loves them, you're standing upon the deepest theological truth known to mankind. Could we say amen to that? If you could help someone understand that they can know that they are saved based on the finished work of Jesus Christ through God's Word, you have just excelled all of the knowledge of uh, of most religious commentaries in the history of mankind. Because they can't answer that question. I don't need to know how to fight Herbert W. Armstrong and the World Church for tomorrow. How many remember that freak? Pick up the phone. Hello, God? Isn't that enough to tell you that this man is a mind-sick person without a brain to think that he could pick up a telephone and talk to God? God is not... Subject to AT&T. Amen? His communication is beyond any limits that we have today. If you want to talk to God, all you have to do is call upon His name. That's what the Bible says. Don't worry about refuting all of the foolishness that that man developed in his lifetime. We we already know by just looking at the opening seconds of his television promo, the guy has no knowledge of this book called the Bible whatsoever. Do you see how simple that is? You see, if we will exercise our senses on how to tell other people about Jesus... Guess what? We'll know the difference between right and wrong. Automatically. When someone starts telling you, Oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe He is the greatest prophet. Little bells ought to be going off. Bing, 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 bing. Warning, warning. Jesus is not the greatest prophet. Jesus is God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to debate on you whether Jesus was the greatest prophet. That's foolishness. If he is God, he's automatically the greatest prophet. If he's God, he's automatically the greatest teacher. If he's God, he's the greatest of everything because no one can be better at anything than God is. So, let's just push away all the foolishness. And people want to argue about, I just, I, I can't believe in creation. Oh, Really? Well, then, then you wouldn't understand how stupid evolution is. And, and I do mean that in the medical sense. Um, I mean, theres uh, you can look it up. I mean, those, those very uh, divisive, mean words like moron and idiot, they actually come from psychiatrists in psychology. They have classifications of lack of IQ. And uh, it it is amazing how low on the IQ uh, meter that most of these great brains come in. But here's the basis. If you want to win the battle, if you want to win a debate on evolution, what is sin? You see, the fact that there is sin demands that man is not the end and the subtotal of all creation. Because sin is man transgressing the standard of God. And no honest person and disagree with what the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've just bypassed the entire realm of argumentation and debate. We have exercised our senses to discern the difference between right and wrong, and we're not going to waste our entire life just trying to get saved, because God saved us for a purpose. He wants us to grow And and He wants us to learn about speaking the truth in love. By the way, can we go back to the Bible definition of love? 1 John chapter 4. Say it with me. God is love. Speaking the truth in love is telling people about who God is is by the way Hebrews 11:6 without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to god must believe that he is telling people who god is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him if you want faith you got to know who god you got to know that god exists and you got to know that god is good that's not hard if you read the pages of this book called the bible and anything that disagrees with those two simple truths is evil. Anything that will help you understand better that truth, those two truths, is good. You say, sounds awful childish to me. Well, last year's theme was, except you be converted and become as little children. Amen? And yet, we'll find that if we exercise our senses that we will grow. But I'll tell you what, it takes time. You don't take uh, a 10 or 12 year old boy and say, I want on a hundred push ups right now. Do you know that you can exercise to the point that you destroy your body? And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later here. You see, The goal is to be able to teach every believer. Well, that would be very confusing if on Sunday morning we lined up every believer and said, you got five minutes. Give us something from the Bible. And there are churches that actually do that. But the Bible is very clear. It's through the foolishness of preaching... That we're supposed to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the center of our services. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. There's a second way the Bible tells us that we need to be exercised. This one isn't very pleasant. Verse 11 now, no chastening for this, the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. How many could say amen to that? Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Do you realize that God wants to exercise us through chastening or chastisement, punishment? That God wants, look at verse 5, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him for whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth and scourgeth every son he receiveth. You know, when we refuse to let God do the correcting in our life, we doom ourselves to a perverted or wrong relationship with God, or worse yet, if you're unsaved, you cement and make sure and steadfast that rejection of which is God's word. Some of you will remember the actor Michael Landon. He did a lot of television that was supposed to be just really good and... and, and He got cancer and died a young man. And he gave a lot of interviews before he passed away. And one of them is, "Uh, I just cannot accept that confessing your sins to God is enough. You've got to do more. That's tragic. That is rejecting the simple truth that's in this book called the Bible. And it is the seed of false religion. You see, God wants to correct us. And I I am not of the opinion that every time something wrong happens to you, that God is judging you and correcting you. Sometimes we need a little exercise. I mean, you can sit there and go, All day long. Are you going to do anything? No. You need some resistance. Do you not? Uh, That's what weights are all about. Uh, That's that's what push-ups are all about. Using the, the weight of your body as resistance. So when you exercise those muscles, you're actually doing something. And how can you tell when you're doing something? It's called ibuprofen, Tylenol. uh, It's called pain relief. It says, No chastisement for the present time seemeth joyous but grievous. Do you know that... uh, uh, Let me start over again. The Lord has allowed me to be with Open Door Bible Baptist Church since before day one. I count that the greatest privilege of my life, to be the pastor of this church. But do you realize that even as the pastor of this church for all these years, that I have to constantly work with the Lord to be fit to fit in to be the pastor that God wants me to be. And I wish I could tell you after 28 years, yeah, we've got this down to a science. Uh, no, we got this down to a struggle. And so do you. And the Lord is working to make us fit. He's working to make us put up with each other and actually to love each other in the Lord. He's working to chastise us. Sometimes uh, uh, when God corrects us, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. When we correct ourselves, you know what happens? It yields the contentious fruit of pride. You ever met someone solve their own problems? In the business world, here's the phrase, I'm a self-made man. Liar. There's no self-made anybody. And no, please don't misunderstand me. It doesn't take a village, alright? Uh, we're not going there. It takes the power of Almighty God to do the work, but... You have to submit to that hand of God in your life, shaping and changing and taking things out and putting things in. You want a great Bible study? Read, put off and put on. Just take those two phrases and go through your New Testament and you'll have a life of living there. You see... God has to correct us because we do not know what we ought to do. Read Romans chapter 8. We don't even know how we ought to pray. It's the Holy Spirit that does that for us. But look look at these following verses. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. You know what that's talking about? If I allow God's correction in my life, I'm going to be able to help other people through and with prayer. Those are the two positions of prayer. On your knees and with uplifted hands. If I'll allow God's correction in my life, I'm going to help other people through prayer. Look what the next one is. Make straight paths for your feet. Let that which is be lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Oh, we live in a world where we talk about mentoring. And mentoring is a good thing. It's a Bible truth. But it's often so perverted in our today's society that it doesn't do any good. My uh, wife and I talked about this one time as we were just evaluating. and said, you know, when uh, when her... When our parents were in church growing up in the Lord, they didn't have this thing called discipleship. Uh, They didn't have a lot of these things. But you know what happened? Is somebody in church said, hey, come on, and let's go go out and try to lead somebody to the Lord today. Let's go visit some people that were coming to church and, and they're not coming now. Let's go see them. Let's go talk to that friend of yours at work that doesn't know how to be saved. You know, what, you know what that is? Mentoring. It's making a straight path. You know, so many times as a Christian, here's what we're trying to figure out. How much of the world can I allow in my life so I can have fun and yet serve Jesus at the same time? The only problem is there are people following you and your example. And this is what we talk about, the slippery slope. The world is here. The church is here. The world moves here. The church moves here. That, that. Hey, you know how to stop that? By you walking in that straight path. Then the person behind you doesn't have an excuse to stray into the broad way. Amen? God's chastisement in your life is going to teach you how to pray. It's going to give you the ability to teach other people how to pray. That's why we pray together as a church on Sunday nights. Uh, It's going to teach you to walk that narrow way so that others that are coming behind you are going to be healed and not hurt. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. You take peace and you take holiness. And I will tell you, 90% of your life's decisions are already made for you. Just follow those things. The chastisement of the Lord will bring you To this point, and verse 15 sounds like a teacher to me, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know, God wants us to watch out for one another, to try to help one another, to exhort one another. Not everything can be done from the pulpit. But as the pastor, I'm trying to provide the leadership and we take this leadership home in our families, in our own lives. You see, if we will allow our senses to be exercised to the discerning of right and wrong, if we will allow ourselves to be exercised through the chastisement of God, guess what we're going to be doing? Uh, we're going to be speaking the truth in love. Amen. And, you know, when we exercise properly, you will stand up straighter. You will be able to walk farther. You'll, you'll be able to live easier. You can exercise yourself. You know, we have all these quote-unquote professional athletes the thought of being an old man at 40 years old really troubles me. Because I passed 40 a long time ago. I mean, that's uh, that, that's ancient history. Uh, but I can still climb up the scaffolding and set it up when it needs to be done. And, and uh, fix the windows there at Union. And we've got more windows to fix. Which means we're going to get to do it all over again. So... Uh, I, I don't mind that kind of things at my age. I remember Brother Shaw, he was in his early 60s. We were here taking apart all these walls in the auditorium and rebuilding the inside of the building here. You see, exercise promotes growth, it promotes strength, but you can have too much exercise. If I want to become like Christ... If I want to grow up into him, what was Stephen's statement about Jesus? He went about doing good? Or was that Paul? It was in the book of Acts. You see, we're supposed to grow so that Christ can be seen in us. Paul put it this way in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And the warning in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But speaking the truth in love. That's telling somebody how to be saved. We can grow up into Him. Which is the head. Even Christ. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into Him. In all things. Which is the head. Even So I asked the question this morning. Are you here today still trying to get saved? If you are, I want you to understand something. You are in the gravest danger of missing heaven for all eternity. You are in the gravest danger of an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Your relationship with God is not about getting saved. Over and over again. Or trying and trying and trying until you finally get there. It is God that does the saving. If you're here today and you're saved. Are you teaching others? Are you telling other people how to get saved? It can be as simple as handing out a gospel tract. It can be as terrifying as sitting down with a family member who knows everything about you and trying to tell them how good God is. You see, sometimes we can't tell people how good God is because we've made mistakes with our life. And you see, that's what the chastening of the Lord is all about. He changes us. And if we will let God do the changing, we will speak the truth in love. He will exercise us. Oftentimes, my little boys will get going. Say, that's enough. Time for some exercise. I want you to go up and down the stairs from the basement the whole way to the apartment five times in a row and not stop. (sighs) Okay, Dad, I did it. Yeah, your exercise. Now, Now do you think you can sit still for a few minutes? Please, may I? Yeah. The Lord has to do that sometimes. Now doesn't He? Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Ask God to open your eyes. Sometimes He does things and we're not even paying attention. Because when we grow up, People need to see Jesus and all God's people say, let's pray.